religion. Last week we began our new series looking at certain principles of akhlaq that we could imbibe into our own selves in the idea that each week we would give a new principle of akhlaq and in that week we would practice that one principle apply it and try for it to become a natural part of ourselves and then build on it in the subsequent weeks if you recall last week we looked at the principle which stated surpass your actions in private make them better than those actions in public and if you recall we talked about how often it is easy for us to be very good in public we want people to think good of us and so we're very aware of the things that we do in public but when we retreat into our private spheres either with our friend circle our family unit or even the privacy of my own heart or my laptop or my phone it is a completely different person and the reality is that we often make our public better than our private the challenge we gave to ourselves for last week was to make our private actions better than our public actions today inshallah we will look at another akhlaqi principle in the hope that again we can discuss this and try to imbibe it this week, practice it, and inshallah build upon it in the following weeks. This discussion inshallah is going to be under the title of the following. It is sufficient for you as a lesson to look at what you dislike in someone else's character to ensure that it is not present in your own character. It is very easy for us to be able to look at others. And it is very easy for us to fault find with others as well. And to be able to say that when that person does X or when that person does Y and it grinds us internally. We, we don't like that particular behavior that we see in other people. It can be anyone. It can be a spouse, it can be a parent, it can be a child, it can be a friend. We often come across incidents every single day, every moment where this thing I didn't like. Why did he do this? Why did she say it this way? Why did she make this face? Why did he say this? This in itself is sufficient for you as a lesson to ask is that behavior also present in me as well before I judge someone else this actually comes to us as a hadith from our fifth Imam Muhammad al-Baqir where he says the following kafa bil mar'i ayban an yubsira min nasi ma ya'ma anhu min nafsihi sufficient is a person's own defect in himself that he tries to pick and look for faults in other people whilst he doesn't realize that those same faults actually lie within himself so our akhlaqi principle for today and for this week is what that when you notice something that you don't like in someone else to first check whether it is within your own self allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this in the holy quran and in Chapter number 49, Surah Al-Hujarat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to us many akhlaqi principles. And he mentions this in verse number 11, or in part of verse number 11. He says the following, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, 
لا يسخر قوم من قوم عسى أن يكونوا خيرا منهم Oh you who believe let not a people ridicule, mock, laugh at another people perhaps they may actually be better than them How often it is that we will say you know this person does this or I saw that person do that and we mock him or her for the behaviors it's very possible that that person is actually better than you we'll come back to this in a second inshallah the verse continues wala nisa'un min nisa'in asa an yakunna khayran minhunna and let not women ridicule other women perhaps they may be better than them and then the verse continues wala talmizu anfusakum do not insult one another do not call each other by inappropriate nicknames here allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wala talzimu anfusakum do not look into the faults of one another why because you will often find that even though you look into the faults of someone else the reality is that fault exists within my own self it is very easy to find it here i'm going to mention some ahadith and then we're going to practically discuss some of this akhlaqi principle and how to apply it within our own selves inshallah hadith that we wish to mention first comes to us from amir al-mu'minin ali ibn abi talib salawatullah wa salamuhu alayhi he says the following man bahatha an ayub an-nas falyabda bi nafsihi the person who busies himself looking into the faults of others should first start by looking at the faults in his own self this is one another hadith from amir al-mu'minin ali ibn abi talib salawatullah wa salamuhu alayhi he says iyyaka wa mu'ashirata mutatabbi'i ayub an-nas fa innahu lam yaslam musahibuhum minhum I warn you about keeping relations with people who try to find faults in others. Don't hang out with those people. They're not really good company for you. Why? Reality is that you will end up becoming like those people. I warn you about keeping relations with people who look for faults in others, since surely there is not a single person who will be safe from such people. Reality is when you have gone away, they will also fault find with you you think you've been enjoying fault finding with someone else did you see what he did what she said what they drove what they wore what they said what they bought the reality is when you depart you will be the target for their ridicule don't think you won't be and they will talk about you to others the way they have been talking about others to you so let us think about this practically and how we can apply this It is sufficient for a person to see what they don't like in someone else as a lesson for the development of their own self. That means that immediately a person will not look for faults, but it will naturally come about. And that tells us that within us we have a standard that we expect from other people, and therefore if we expect that standard from other people, we should ensure that we also keep to that very same standard for ourselves now here bring to mind it might be any moment in your own day bring to mind where you thought that person shouldn't do this 
that person shouldn't be doing that. Why did that person sit this way? It wasn't good akhlaq. Why did that person drive this way? It wasn't good akhlaq. Why, why? You can immediately think to mind and you will notice that this issue comes about and you will ask yourself whether it is actually present within your own self. Now what's interesting is here often we will fault find and we will pick on something very, very minute. Sometimes it will be a very big issue, but often it will also be a very minute issue, which means it is hidden from that person. We don't realize that that person isn't aware of the behaviors that they do. Similarly, we don't realize some of the behaviors that we do will also bug other people, right? The moment I see, for example, another person doing something, it's very hidden from them. They don't know. But they will also be looking at me and saying, I don't like that Jafra did this. Why did Jafra say this this way? Why did he make a face at this point? And I won't realize that actually I am doing that thing. Very interesting angle this. The Akhlaqi scholars say the following. That the moment someone realizes that they see a fault in other, there needs to be a response within the self to ensure that you don't have that very same trait that you may have missed in yourself that someone else has. This is mentioned to us in the Ad'iya, in the Du'as, and also by the Akhlaqi scholars. So imagine now, I see a person and I say, I wish he hadn't done this. I don't think he, he should have done this. And then I think to myself, well, do I have this particular trait within myself, hidden away? There's a deeper reality to this. In front of me now, I'm just picking a figure, in front of me now are a hundred people, correct? I could probably fault find, theory, I could probably fault find, I won't, I will probably be able to fault find one thing in every person, fair? If we spend enough time with each other, I will be able to fault find one thing in every person. I'll say, I don't like the way he walked, don't like the way he talked, I don't like that he drank his chai from his left hand and not his right. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. All the minutest faults I will pick up on. Correct? How interesting it is that I'm picking up one fault from you. That one fault may also lie within me. Correct? The reality is that that may be the only one fault that I notice from you. But if I pick one fault in each and every one of you as a hundred different people, it is also likely that every one of those faults exists within me. I've only seen one fault from you, yet I become judgmental of you. The reality is every one of those faults also lies within me. So you have one fault I've seen of you, the reality a hundred faults exist within me. Can you see that? Can you imagine now I'm the one judging another person thinking, ah, oh, Look how great I am. I don't do that thing. The reality is in me probably lies a hundred faults that I don't realize. But I've only seen one fault of you. The Ad'iya and the Ahadith mention this particular issue. And in particular, the dua of our fourth Imam Zayn al-Abideen salawatullahu wasalamuhu And he mentions in one of his duas, he says, Ya ilahi falak alhamd, O my Lord, for you belongs the praise. How many flaws How many flaws have you covered of mine without exposing me? 
And how many of my sins have you cloaked without making me notorious for my many sins? And how many faults have I committed, yet you did not tear away from me the covering and collar me with their disgrace and how detested those sins are? You see, the judgment always comes how I see other people. The reality is Allah has cloaked me from those sins. So many of them, maybe that another person doesn't see them in me. Now, one of the great scholars spoke about how easy it is to fall into this particular trap of noticing the acts of someone else and then also ensuring it isn't present within yourself. And if it is, capturing it, noticing it, and then immediately improving on that particular problem so that it doesn't manifest again in you. The reality is, I promise you, the moment you catch someone else doing something that you don't like, the moment you say to yourself, I don't have that within me, you immediately will fall and have that within you. I promise you that. You know who mentioned this in one of his discussions in Akhlaq? None other than Grand Ayatollah Sayyid Abul Qasim al-Khu'i Rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi Sayyid al-Khu'i was talking in one of his discussions and he said the following He said, I would love nothing more than for one of you, my students to inform me of any minutest fall or slip or moment of bad akhlaq that you see in me I would love nothing more than this in fact, there is the hadith of the Holy Prophet of Islam, Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, who is narrated to have said, my dearest brother to me is the one who informs me of my mistake. We often get angry or upset at the one who informs me at my mistake. No, he was the dearest friend to the Prophet. Sayyidul Khu'i, starting from this point, said to his class, if any one of you sees something, then I want it for you to tell me about this. So he narrates a story about himself. He says, one day I was visiting the shrine of Amir al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib, salawatullahu salamuhu And I stood at the door, the entrance of the Zarih room. You know, we will often stand we want to recite a ziyarah or something like that and then enter in, correct? He said, I was standing at the door and I wanted to be able to enter into the dharih of Imam Alayhi salam. But in front of me, there was someone blocking my way. He was just standing. He wasn't moving and so no one could get past him. It's often the case, someone will come to the dharih, they'll go into prostration and kiss the floor, for example. Or they'll stand and they'll make their hajat. Or they'll stand and they'll give their salam, blocking the entrance. Sayyid al-Khu'i says, I got so angry at this inside. Why is this person blocking other people from coming in? Why is it that he's stopping others from moving in and out swiftly of the dhari? Is that right for him to be standing there? He says to himself. He says, he moved and I walked. And without realizing, I stood at the door, at the entrance doing my own ziyarah. One second ago, I was the one upset at someone blaming them for blocking the entrance of the dharih. Only a second later, I was the one doing exactly the same action, yet I hadn't realized it. 
Only after when I became aware of what I was doing, I said to myself, my God, I have committed the exact act I was blaming someone else for a second ago. Because we don't realize how quick we are to do the very same things that we accuse other people of doing. How quick we fall into that pit of accusing what the others do that we end up doing ourselves. Therefore, he said in his class, if you see anything that is false in me, any slip in me, I expect you as my students to be able to tell me about it. This is very important. And so when we make that notice, when we see in others what we don't like, it is important, number one, to ensure that we don't have it in ourselves, to make the du'a to Allah to ensure that we don't have it in ourselves, that if we do, Allah is going to reform us so that we become better than that, and then to make the du'a that Allah thank you for covering the, me from having this slip being noticed from other people. The reality is I probably still do that slip it's just maybe that you have covered other people so that they don't see it from me. If we could do these things, then inshallah, this would improve our akhlaq. As the hadith says, it is sufficient for us as a lesson that when we look and see others making a mistake, to notice whether it is within ourselves, and this will be a lesson as to whether we can improve ourselves in those particular ways. Insha'Allah, next week we will continue with a different akhlaqi principle. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Wala Asr, Inna al Insan Lafi Khusr, Illa Ladina Amanu wa Amila Salihati, Watawasu Bil Haqi, Watawasu Bil Sabr. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وبه نستعين ثم الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين المعصومين ما بعد Await the Savior of Humanity, Imam Al-Mahdi alayhi salam, my respected teachers, elders, brothers and sisters, Salamu alaykum jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sadly, the drums of war are being beaten again by the United States of America towards Iran. And another false flag has likely been created or in the very least, a number of false flags are being created one after the other as a prerequisite of trying to create war. War has now become so common that for many people, it is almost the default setting. One of the definitions of war given by political philosophers is the following. War only takes place when politics has failed. When means of being able to discuss with each other resolutions has failed. But you could see that from the moment that Donald Trump became president and the hawks and the warmongers that brought him to his presidency, this was always going to be an agenda item. And of course, a president who is failing, of course, a president who now needs to look towards re-election, a president who now needs to bring himself up in the polls will often go to the 
most basic common denominator to ensure that his base stays with him. The country rallies round his policies. What better than war with another country? What is interesting is that the war is not just on one. The conversation being had, for example, by Fox News, by CNN, is not just war with one. Three countries, four countries are being spoken about constantly. Every single day there is a conversation. Should we have war with Venezuela? Should we have war with Chile, who is backing Venezuela? If we do, how will Russia react? Should we have war with North Korea? What is wrong with the human being when all they can think about is murder, death, and destruction? There is something wrong in the collective psyche of a people if this is the way in which they constantly react. Imagine at home the husband who is a violent abuser. Every day they come home and they are aggressive, or even the wife, but predominantly the male, when they are aggressive every single day to everyone who is in front of them. In front of people, they are completely normal, smiling, happy. At home, behind closed doors, how they violently react with everyone around them. What happens when this person becomes violent in public? We will say there is something wrong with this individual. What happens to a country when collectively all they can speak about is war and war and more war? What happens when you have pundits going onto TV and saying in the news stations, quote, what is the point of having nuclear weapons unless we are going to use them? You're advocating for mass murder of hundreds of thousands of people. And this is not challenged by newscasters, not challenged by journalists. There is a failure within humanity at the moment. It has to be a priority for the human community to stop this destruction and ongoing nature of war. And it falls upon us especially as Muslims, as Mu'mineen, as faith-based people who realize that we are responsible before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to try to do what we can to try to derail this type of war that is potentially coming. Of course, this attack on these tankers, these two tankers, there is no evidence. The evidence that has been provided this time is even more flimsy than the evidence that was provided previously for the Iraq invasions. It's not being questioned. And when our politicians do question them, people like MP Jeremy Corbyn, he immediately is slated and being told things like, why are you not siding with British values, British interests? Truth is more important than people's interests. And that is our responsibility. And so every week we need to be very aware, very vigilant, participate wherever we can to try to stop the progress of war. This week we've also seen the final two individuals who are going to head the race for being the next Tory leader, the Conservative Party leader, and eventually the Prime Minister of this country. All I ask from us is to have a discerning eye and to be asking ourselves genuinely what policies do these individuals have? Are they capable of bringing this country together? Every question seems to be based around Brexit and all of their answers are incorrect. What do they say? We will negotiate, we will try to become a better negotiator than the previous Prime Minister. We will try to get a better deal. That is not policy, that is not strategy. 
especially when the EU has already said there is no more negotiation. Fine. What beyond that? How will you deal with austerity? Are you still committing to making people poor? What is your jobs plan? What is it that you're going to do with the human rights once we leave the European Union? What are your plans to be able to put peace in the world? We want to know that you're a serious candidate. Yesterday on Radio 5, this is a serious news station, BBC Radio 5, they had a guest on, and I listened to this myself. The guest was explaining that Boris Johnson, as mayor, had no major, not one major achievement of his own, but rather all of his achievements were off the back of the policies that the previous mayor, Ken Livingston, had achieved. Boris Bikes, it was from Ken Livingston. The journalist, the, the host of the show, responded back by saying, yes, but Boris is flamboyant. Excuse me? Flamboyance, that's the criterion for leadership in our country? Lest we become like the United States of America, a joke on the international scene. There has to be a higher standard. We have to be demanding more from these individuals. That if you come and want to represent and lead the country, we expect you to have proper policies, and not only to look after the extreme wealthy, but to look after all of the people within these four nations. Inshallah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us a proper, strong prime minister, someone who will be able to lead the country through these challenging times.